I feel like I, it was so fancy. I thought there was going to be a 1098, but okay. Welcome, no, friends. it's very imposing. It's, it's, I mean, I thought there was going to be something. <laughs> All right. Um, welcome, friends, to a brand new episode of Beauty Unlocked, the podcast. I'm Carissa, and I'm here with my co-host. The daughter of Lilith. I'm here with my co-host, the daughter of Lilith. You know when we collaborate, we bring you some epic episodes. Let's go. Welcome, friends. Before starting this episode, I wanted to give you a heads up as the daughter of Lilith and I will be talking about minors, school shootings, war. So listeners, discretion is strongly advised. And just to let you know, there's no holding back in this episode and we'll probably both ruffle some feathers. So buckle up. Without further ado, I present to you episode 63, the hypersexualization of of BIPOC children and teens. <laughs> it's been okay. Can I just can I just say that it's been officially a year, almost a year, since we last recorded. Happened. Yeah, the last episode we recorded is um, "Are We Old School," where we talked oh, about dating. Right. We were, yeah, we were talking about Tinder and Bumble and all that shit and the fucking weird people we meet in those apps and pretty yeah. much. And uh, that was the last one, and that was like towards the end of April. We're the beginning oh. of April. Aries season, huh? Kicking my oh, ass already. Oh my goodness. Here we go. Can't wait for Taurus season just because I like the earthiness a little bit more. My Capricorn know. rising thrives with that. I don't know. I, I, can I just say that I cannot stand Aries men? Aries women, I get along with surprisingly well. Really? To the point oh, of where goodness. I actually question, how is it that you're an Aries? Like you don't have any of those Aries I'm thinking that I'm thinking what's your moon and what's your rising because this yeah. is a little bit weird like yeah. you don't seem like an Aries to me because I have a very male dominate dominated figure in my life as you know oh. that is an Aries and it just puts me off of all like if I'm on a dating site and it said Aries or Scorpio nope. I or Gemini I I'm like swiping left <laughs> Gemini's too. Gemini's are just criminal. It's like I shouldn't know. I don't. Some know. people are telling me Cancerians are like this, and I was like, "Have I been with a Cancerian?" And then I'm like, "I was married to one." Yes, okay, um, but I don't know how it was like uh, how a woman Cancerian is. I'm not too familiar with them. See, well, I was married to a Taurus Gemini cusper. Uh, <laughs> okay, or I think he was more Gemini though, and. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's those that are kind of like you flip a switch and you're just like, (laughs) what the 
fuck just happened? Like, do you know, like, hopefully he was pretty, he was always very consistent and he was very, he would have nothing bad to say about him, but it was just, you know, it's all the other men that I've dated and women have been Scorpios. And I'm like, Uh, no, my mama was a Scorpio. I have Scorpio rising. Yes, I'm a Scorpio rising. Let me tell you, like, I just, I run for the hills with Scorpios. I'm like, no. I'm attracted to them like a fucking moth to a flame. I'm like, yes, give me that intensity all day long. No, I don't know. Do you know, I'm just going to stand in my Virgo-ness right here and be like, you know what, Virgos, hands down. I don't know. But then again, I'm uh, I'm an Aquarius moon, so... I don't know. I just go with the flow, dude. I love that. I'm a Sagittarius moon, so I'm just all over. I, I am all over the place. I am a fucking hot trotter. And I'm just like, fuck yeah, let's go on a trip. Woo! <laughs> I'm like that. I make some like pretty bold and brash like decisions. And That's then the Aquarius in you. Then, That's why we get along. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm like, was that a good idea? Like I didn't bring XYZ. I just left the house without Brit and the Virgo in me is like we didn't really plan for this did we like I should have packed yeah. appropriately like it's kind of cold now. like you know like that oh, starts boy. I'll tell you everything later but in <laughs> private but okay. something just came up that there's this massive change of plans for the summer that I'm like oh well how did this happen my Sagittarius moon was like fuck yeah bitch go <laughs> and then my Capricorn rising is like let's look at the bank account and see if we can manage it uh, and my Leo sign is obviously obviously going, uh, bitch, yeah. To the <laughs> backyard. Y- you can definitely like go to the backyard and travel up to there at this point. <laughs> like this is how I'm thinking like travel plans is up to the yard and back again. Like there's no. Much. Yeah, um, yeah. The oh, listeners yeah. are thinking, what the hell is happening? <laughs> yeah, they're like, wait, where? what's the point of this? We're Whoa. trying to be light because we're talking about something <laughs> so deeply offensive and concerning yes. and serious. Yeah. Um, so before we get into it, I'm going to I'm going to say how we got to this. Um, we're going to be talking about the hypersexualization or the oversexualization of BIPOC teenagers and children. Um, and we're going to talk about uh, adultification bias as well. People are like, whoa, what's happening? So yeah. first things first, I'm going to say how this episode came to be. One, I noticed because I'm the analytic queen and I love looking at my analytics and I noticed that of course the episodes where you and I collaborate are the ones that are downloaded the most and then second was I did um two years ago oh nearly two years ago um I did uh two episodes one on the sexualization and objectification of women and then I did uh the sexualization objectification of black women and girls and those have the highest downloads and I'm like okay So then (laughs) there's like a whole backstory here. So then I was like, oh, you know, like I should do something else. I should do something else. Like, and you and I were talking for a while about collaborating Mm -hmm. and we have always so many ideas, but then what set me off, although this happens on a daily basis, I follow um, an account on Instagram called cheer up love. And they're a platform that tackles sexual harassment and misogyny. And it was founded by Eliza Hatch and, um, she okay I I don't know if she uses she her pronouns so sorry Eliza Eliza brought to to my attention this article that was in the independent 
And it was, let me look for it. God, I have so many things that are saved, but it kind of set me off. It triggered me. Black school girl strip searched by police while on her period. Racism likely to have been an influencing factor in officers' actions. And so I was like, I put my my foot down and the Met police, I mean, all police are just, let's not even get into it, but the Met have been fumbling and stumbling for a while now and they need to clean up their fucking act not going to get into it but anyway like so when I read this I was like it was kind of like those things of you wanted to talk about this well here you go like this is going to send you over the edge and this is how it came about I think that I I find that absolutely appalling um to the point where I feel like it is absurd at this point it's like you don't believe what you're reading because it's yeah. so, it has reached a level of absolute absurdity of how is this even allowed? Like we are in 2022 and yet yep. here we are, right? And yeah. then I do think we need to talk about the police. I do think that we need to talk about mm-hmm. the abuse of power because it's also, you know, like I was a teacher for 14 years. Like mm-hmm. I see the educational aspect of this and yeah. you also see like this happened in a school. Yeah. Do you know and what I mean? It's not only that, what this is what uh, it was here. No adult was present for the traumatic search by the Met that took place at the girl's secondary school. And with the knowledge that she was menstruating uh, and then racism was likely to have been an influencing factor in the officer's actions. And if the girl had not been black, then her experiences are unlikely to have been the same. So there was no one in the room while they're strip searching this a minor. girl, this, a minor, it's on her period. It's already, it's just um, where you're supposed to feel safe. You're not feeling safe anymore. And this is where, and this is where I have a very troubling experience. Just for the record, if I can make a, a disclaimer. Um, sometimes my, the, the knowledge of pronouns, I don't know them of people that I'm going to be referring to. So yeah, I apologize same. if I refer to their gender assigned um role let's say and uh for the purposes of you know talking about female bodies i don't i mean trans children are going through it in america right now um and it is something that is deeply deeply concerning it is concerning Um, yep but for these purposes if i do talk about female bodies um again i don't mean to wipe out or erase the trans experience in any way, shape, or form. Um, I'm talking about the group of female BIPOC communities. Yes. uh, Female bodied. um, Yep. And that's it. It it means nothing in in the terms of disrespect or um, erasing someone else's experience. Um, The fact, going back to the thing that you said, I actually found an article uh, from... Annalisha D. Matthews, and she wrote it from uh, University of Washington in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. And she had this brilliant opening to her paper. And she said, when you are specifically Black women, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm going to apply it to the BIPOC community. It's either you are, your body is either sexualized or you're dismissed. As a human being, you are either sexualized or dismissed, ignored. You fall into the cracks. Like if you don't offer something physically like a Jezebel, then you're nothing, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You and I are are people of color. Mm -hmm. 
I remember knowing now as a, as a almost 39 year old, right? Mm -hmm. I remember understanding the power, quote unquote, the power that I had when I was about six, when I had older men telling my mom, what a beautiful girl I was. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mom's reaction being thank you, but very apprehensive. Did you have similar experiences like that? Uh, No, what I had was men, much older men. And this is probably the first time that I remember it. I can't remember it. I started developing from a very young age as well. Uh, I started developing at the age of nine, 10 years old. And I was much taller for my age at the time as well. Mm-hmm. But from my memory, I remember we were in St. Lucia and there was this huge like street party and stuff like that. And um, this man came up to talk to me mm-hmm. and being a 10 year old, you don't you don't understand the danger Like you, you, you're thinking, okay, they teach you stranger danger, but this guy is just like, it's not like you don't feel whatever. And, um, he was saying, cause I was dancing to the music and stuff, how well I was dancing and all that and really moving and everything. And then my uncle comes to talk to him and be like, she's 10 years old. And the guy was just like, I'm so sorry. Were you though? Were you sorry? Like, and why did another man have to come and talk to you to show you that you were wrong? Exactly. Like what is that? And that is, and that was just one of many afterwards, like experiences and encounters. Um, And that one, in all honesty, you know how that we have our prime when we're in danger, when there's danger present or something, our bodies have a tendency of reacting that primal state comes in you know the the hair on the back of your neck stands up there's something that's wrong it's your gut telling you fucking move move as fast as you can kind of thing right another time it happened I was about 11 it was Christmas the day after Christmas on the 26th we went shopping in the states and uh there was like you know the 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 guys that help like bring your your shopping to your car and stuff like that right he starts hitting on me ew and I remember that deep dread washing over me. And it was those alarm bells saying, get out, because he was asking me out on a date. And it, like I had that, that inside. I don't even know how to explain it. But for all of you who've had a similar situation where you've had, not maybe a similar situation, but you've had that feeling of dread and if something's not right, get out of there immediately that's what I had and I was going around the shop like trying to avoid him and that's the thing and this is this is where I want people to realize because I hope that we have male listeners Mm. because it's imperative for them to understand where we're coming from and I think that you know working where I work right now you're exposed to younger generations as well and I think that I'm going to say something that's going to ruffle people's feathers. Ruffle their feathers. Yeah. I don't think the younger generation is doing any better than our generation in the terms of consent and in terms of the male gaze and hypersexualizing, quote unquote, their friends or anything like that. And here's why. I think we are dealing with people who know how to learn party tricks and they know how to move the party tricks. Mm -hmm. And they create this illusion that they're decent. And then the second you lower your guard, right? Yep. And it, I think it'll make sense if people understood the context of, of my job, but I can't 
really explicitly mm-hmm, say that mm-hmm. without implying my place of work. Yeah. Um, it's very, it's, it's different. And I think that we need to have these conversations because, and I'm going to touch on social media in a second, but mm-hmm. I think every fucking female has experienced that threatening presence of a male. Do you know what I mean? And it's just kind of like, and I'm sure that men have experienced it too. I'm sure that young men have experienced it. Yeah. You know, it's what a lot of people don't understand when we talk in this very generalized way of saying men, meaning all men, we can't pick and choose. Like we don't know who's the, who are the quote unquote, quote, good ones and who are the bad ones. Right. So much happens to us on a daily basis that guess what at this point yes all men and if you get offended by that then you're part of the problem you have to understand that there's something that comes over us if we're alone in a room with a man that we have no clue who you are I'm sorry or even if we do know who you are there's still that feeling of like oh I'm not suspicion and that's and that's my thing and the thing is is like Going, I mean, and there's thousands of examples, right? Of course, like the one of course. Up with, with this poor, this poor baby, you know, because to me, they're they're children. Well, like, they are children, of course. This is a child, of course. It's not a young woman. It's no, a it's fucking a child. child. It's the police. Yeah, and it is invasive, and it no is. adult is there to take care of her. And I think that that's the rhetoric, and that's the um experience that a lot of BIPOC girls have yeah right we have indigenous girls and young women and I mean young women in the sense of 18 to you know 26 Mm -hmm, disappearing mm -hmm. left and right and all the time nobody talks about nobody talks about it nobody talks about them no because well you know it's it's a it's a Native American thing and it's like I'm wait it's a a Native American like I mean I'm sorry let's let's I need you to repeat that out loud so you realize what you're saying exactly um and that is, I think that that is why it's important to talk about this. Like, even mm-hmm. if it reaches two men, fine, let it reach two men. But I need them to understand, no, it's going to take a really long fucking time for me to feel safe around you. Exactly. So you know what I mean? Like, exactly. a long time. Like, maybe you personally have not done something to put a woman, let's say, uh, in danger. Yeah. But I'm sure that you know of a friend of yours that takes the joke a bit too far, that becomes a bit too aggressive. Did you hold him accountable? Did you tell him to stop? Did you say to him, stop that shit? She's feeling uncomfortable. If we're cracking a smile or laughing, that's because it's a reaction to being put in, in a situation that we're feeling uncomfortable with. It does not mean hit on me harder. Yeah. So as a matter of fact, don't hit on me at all. Exactly. Don't. (laughs) I'm not in the mood for that shit. And I know, I think it was, who was that famous guy that said like, oh, it's dating is getting really uncomfortable with me too. Was it? Why? What were you doing in the first place? I don't remember who it was, but what were you doing? I'm like, can we, can we, what the fuck are you saying and doing that is making women so uncomfortable? And then, and then there's the tokenization, right? Mm, Like, If you are a mixed, you know, a mixed um, person or whatever, it's like you need to be 
And we've talked about this so many times. And I, I just, thought we did an episode, didn't we? Where we, we did, did talk about pornography. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was the pornography series. Yes. Yeah. It was just kind of like as a grown adult, right? Like we experience these things. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine younger girls having an old, and we have experienced it, having the older guy come up to them and be like, you're so pretty. But we live in a society that tells you that you want to cater to being pretty and to be liked and to be and to serve this role of can can I just uh, cut you off there? One of the things is that we normalize that behavior. Yep. We normalize it, whether in movies, in the media, across media, where an older man will come up and say to a woman, you're pretty at this point, it's like not even the age it's. We just normalize that behavior. We see it all the time. So people don't think it, don't think twice about it, right? Yeah. Like they don't think there's anything wrong. And though, I mean, they're always like, oh, but you're taking it so serious. And it's like, do you understand from the moment that we're born, born, we're like, we have like a death sentence stamped on our forehead. Do you understand yep. what it takes for us to just leave the house and how much we have to think about when we're leaving oh, a house? Like, you know what I, and I don't know if this has happened to you and it kind of got the attention of, you know, one of someone that, you know, is in my life. We were walking back from having had dinner and he walked past this like white van and I went around it. Is it like those creepy white vans? Like those ones that you, mm, yeah. And that, and thankfully he's a fucking clever guy. And he caught on to that immediately. And he's like, what you went around, like you went the long way. And I'm like, I, as a fucking female bodied person yeah. cannot walk past these cars and not think twice before it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. trauma, like it's ingrained in your head of it always is. over your shoulder of taking care of yourself. You you're very aware of the noises Something yeah. that a, a, a another person, another man, let's say a cisgendered man, would not even notice the slightest noise. We kind of like look around, especially if it, if it's past you know sunset. Oh, like, yeah, pretty much. It's yeah. like wait, wait, hold up, what's that? You know, there's certain in Mexico City. You know, like you grew up, you were there in Mexico City with me. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are just tuning in, Curious and I know each other. We've known each other for what twenty four years, twenty five years, six years. Well, uh, since the age of 12, 12, yeah. since 12, yeah, about 26 yeah, years. Oh man, 27 this year now. 27 years. Hard and mad. Holy but, yeah. crap. Yep. I know, dude, I'm so excited. I can't even. I can't believe this. <laughs> I'm like, how is it? I, like, I have relationships that like platonic relationships, yeah. although it's not very much platonic with the daughter of Lilith because she is the love <laughs> of my life. But um, like- <laughs> My platonic relationships, quote unquote, have lasted longer than any relationship put together. <laughs> like, <it's-> no, <laughs> people are like, you-, you must be the problem in those. No, I'm not actually. No. Like, no. You know what? That's no. another conversation that we need to have because it's like, I love how there's always that you must have been the problem. And I'm like, bitch, I've got friends since I was five. Like, it's definitely not me. Like, (laughs) it's not me. And my first boyfriend and my girlfriend are still in my life. And that's about 20, 
two years, 20 years. So it's not me. No. I wanted to I kill thought- my first boyfriend. He's a Scorpio. He was a, he is a Scorpio. Yeah, got along with my mom and my sister. But with me, I was like, I'm going to fucking kill you like that's it. But I still talk to him here and there. And I'm thinking, how did I ever date you? But we're still somehow in each other's lives. So yeah, I'm not the problem. But you're a Scorpio and I'm going to hurt you. (laughs) Yeah, because you're a Scorpio rising too. I know, I know. But like I was saying, we grew up in Mexico and we weren't growing up in Mexico in like the nicest times Mexico City has ever seen. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it was the times when people were disappearing, times where, you know, really gory shit was happening. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and we still managed to have, you know, good times. And we had, we managed to have a childhood. I think that we had a childhood and this is yep. where I kind of want to segue into social media. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think because we were outside the United States lens, yeah. we uh, weren't yeah. in the United States directly. No. Our experiences were very insular in the sense of international community yeah. in an international school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we really didn't think about, well, she's mixed and she's also mixed and that it wasn't that kind of I wasn't thinking about that I was just like I kind of you were wearing orange and purple one day and I was like she's fucking rocking the shit out of those colors I'm gonna be your friend (laughs) um the thing with what I'm experiencing is that we also in terms of violence Rodney King was the first act of violence of police violence that I witnessed on TV on TV you know? I was about to say on TV yes on yeah. TV yeah um that was in Mexico right like in the yeah. outside the context of Mexico I was yeah. like oh, fucking shit and that was early 90s then yeah. we had Oklahoma City and I'm gonna link it to how I grew up with this perception right then it was Oklahoma City bombing Timothy McVeigh the yes guy, yes right yes um, yeah even at a young age, the way that they spoke about Rodney King and the way that they spoke about Timothy McVeigh, incredibly different. I actually, it's it's fascinating how you're bringing it up because I actually have notes about, uh, and a trigger warning right here, active shooters. Yeah, that's right? what I was going to bring up. Yeah, and I have a list of them where they were taken in, all calm, treated to a meal. Yep. Let's stop at Arby. Yeah. You know who I'm yeah. talking about. Let's stop at McDonald's and get you some food because you were probably hungry. Uh, or, or I'm sorry, he was having a really bad day. Oh, he was having yeah. a bad day. Oh, he's a 17 year old who made a really bad decision. Oh, and the okay. president is not returning his phone calls. Get the oh. fuck out of here. Um, so we have that right. So mm-hmm. Timothy McVeigh happens where yep. babies, literal, yeah, take your babies are murdered. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry for being so blunt, audience, but you need to understand that euphemisms aren't going to do anything for us today. No. Nope. So then, Carissa, we go to 1999. And what happens in 19- April 1999? April Columbine. 1999? Columbine. Columbine. Of course. Oh, my God. Like, I was like. I don't know, because you know what I was thinking of? I was thinking of O.J. Simpson in 95 for some reason, because we were talking about well, Timothy too. McVeigh, and then we yeah. jumped to 99, and I was like, what happened? Wait, what? And yes, right. Columbine. And yes. Columbine happens, right? Yeah. So we are a generation, you and I are part of the generation that witnessed the first active school shooting on yes. TV, right? Yes, yeah. So 
in a, we blinked and life changed. Yep. Mind you, I'm not, we don't hear about this, but there was a black student in Columbine who was shot. And as he was being, as he was about to be shot, and I got this from the book of um, Dylan Klebold's mother. Um, she wrote a mother's, I can't remember the name of it, but it was a mother writing this book. And mm-hmm. her son, one of the shooters, basically calls him the N-word before mm-hmm. shooting him. And we, how long did it take us to find out that out, that there was an actual, the, the black student of Columbine? You don't really hear, you don't even hear that much about it. You just hear the overall students. You hear more of the white students or, you know, you don't, I didn't know. I didn't know. I mean, although you should think, okay, it's a school. Like, of course there's going to be a whole, but never crossed my mind. I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. And then that's the thing, right? Like I didn't know that. And I don't know if it's because I was in Mexico and I didn't see like the the news is different in the sense that it's international, whatever. I never, I didn't know that until 2015. Yeah. when I read the book mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you know you blink and you know it and it's you know 9-11 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we didn't grow up with social media like we didn't have this sense of performing in front of a camera all the time exactly and I think that we have generations coming up now that will tell you and will tell you over and over that they had a normal childhood, that they had this, that they had that. I'm like, baby, I if you know. were born between 1997 and 2002, nothing about your childhood was normal. Yeah. Nothing. And nothing. I'm sorry to say, it's like one of the main things that you see a lot of is that children of that age, of that, de- like while they're developing, the first thing, they already know how to hold a goddamn like phone. Or some kind of like device. Whereas with us, it was completely, we had building blocks. We literally had building blocks. We literally grew up with our parents say, well, not in Mexico city, but when I was in the States, mm-hmm. come back. I, I knew two levels of safety. Come back when the the first street light comes on, right? That's, we that that was, their, that was curfew in the States. It's like, once it got dark and those lights, you would have to oh, bike back yeah. quickly. Yeah, exactly. In Mexico, no. No, that's no, that's <laughs> that not. That's different. Oh, hell no. No, no, no. But no, we no. didn't have a phone that our parents could track us in. Okay, and here's okay. where I, this is where I want to start linking things about BIPOC bodies feeling far more unsafe than white bodies. First of all, accessibility. Not every BIPOC kid will have a phone that parents can track them down. One. Of course. Two, caregivers mm-hmm. tend to be harder to find in these communities that can reach out to you or that can, you know, monitor where you're at. Sometimes your school district is miles away from your home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's, there's just a lot of, whereas I see predominantly white children growing up in a insular bubble that yeah. people are more inclined to protect and cater to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's this assumption that Black kids and Latino kids and Native American, Indigenous kids, mm-hmm. um, they can fend for themselves. Yeah. They, they yeah. can take care of themselves because they're, you know, they're, they're so mature and you're like, they shouldn't be. Can I just say that I was thinking about this a bit earlier. Sorry to interrupt you before no, I forget because this is the problem with me. I forget. Um, is that I feel as a person of color, uh, a woman of color, um, I feel like I had no choice but to grow up 
fast because it's kind of expected expected of us like you need to grow up you need to understand that these are dangerous even though you're too young to understand why you just do it because in a way you're kind of told you you have to somehow so it's kind of like ingrained in and instilled into us that we have no choice but to grow up so when you when I see 10 year olds today let's say I'm just giving a number here or even five-year-olds today. I mean, apart from the whole thing of where we're going to talk about it afterwards, but I mean, in the sense of, I'm like, wow, you guys are, are children. And I'm, I'm specifically talking about white (laughs) five-year-olds, you know, uh, not talk about BIPOC. Um, I'm talking about white children. I see that the way they're growing up is completely different to the way I'm growing up. Like I had to, there are certain things that were expected in a way of like, even if you're telling a, a BIPOC child, just grow up, you kind of have to kind of grow up, be a little bit more mature, do this, have more responsibilities. Whereas I see like our white counterparts and I'm like, what? <laughs> How come you guys can be children and, and that we're not allowed to. And we weren't allowed to have to be yeah. that way. Not allowed to have children. That's not what I meant. Like be yeah. children, you know? Like I just don't. That's or such even, a valuable. But it's, I even noticed it with my ex-partner. He had two children at the time, uh, eight and six. And their experiences, even though they were BIPOC children, I was like, blah, six years old. Like I had to think faster than the six-year-old is doing right now. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, man, lovely that you get to actually have an adult that thinks for you. Whereas at six, I didn't have that. I mean, not that I didn't have an adult who thought for me, but I had to think fast. I couldn't like that. That's the thing. And I also think that, I mean, it's not only culturally, but also generational, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I have a feeling that that there's a, a sense of this insane anxiety level that the younger people have now that I'm like, I have anxiety. I'm, I'm diagnosed with anxiety mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, yep. I don't react like this. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, Carissa, children of war, uh, you know, I'm a child of war. Like I've seen things, I've heard things, I've done things. And I'm not saying that to brag. It's like yeah. my level of anxiety is, yeah, I can manage it. Right. And, but yeah. it's there. It's there. Yeah. And I'm seeing that again, I'm not saying that white children who experience war don't have this trauma as well, mm-hmm. but people are more willing to help you yes. if you look the part. Yes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> we can and see we it in certain circumstances <laughs> happening right now in the world. It, We're seeing it and it's just like, and blatantly yeah. like, yeah. News reporters actually yeah. say blonde, blue eyed. Why are we not helping them? And I'm like, yes. I'm, and it's like, I'm sorry. Where were you were the babies that, you know, were taken out of Syria yeah. and they were drowning? Where were you when that happened? What, what, a- where were you yeah. where there, there are refugees like right now crossing the Mediterranean and it's the sea that has the most deaths? Where, exactly. were, where are you? Where are you for the children of Yemen that for are con- constantly being bombarded for God knows how long? Where are you? And for the context of people in the United States, Carissa lives in... Cyprus. Um, I, so, I am. Let me tell you. <laughs> she fucking gets it. Like, we're not talking out of our ass. Like no. my context is Mexico City and Guatemala. 
Her context is Cyprus. We know what the fuck we're talking yeah. about. It's not like, let's just pull something out. Our neighbors right across from the Mediterranean are in constant like conflict, but that's okay because you know what? They're BIPOC. Like they're, we expected from them, like the black and the brown, like people to have war be constantly at war. And it's like, what? Because we're savages. We need yeah. to clarify that. Yeah. And yes, we're sav- We're considered savages. We're considered like illiterate. We know nothing. We need help all the time. And this is this is where the critical race theory thing uh, yeah. comes up. And I'm going to link it as well to school as an educator, right? Because I mm-hmm. do think the youth needs to know history. To me, critical race theory is not critical race theory. It's history. It's mm-hmm. fucking history. Let's call it for what it is. It is fucking talking about what the United States has done. Like, we have to talk about that, right? Um, but people don't want to. Seeing a repetition of history. Confederate flag or a swastika. And I know immediately that I'm not welcomed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not, that, it's not that my fellow white people cannot be offended. Most of them are and should be. Understand that it as much as we are against the same thing, it doesn't register the same way. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. a child in a setting that doesn't know about Confederate Southern pride. And you come from the context of being, your family was trafficked, murdered, mm-hmm. whatever else. And all you hear is people's and then you hear about 11-year-old black boys playing with a toy gun. Which were, you know, something shot. that we, we all used to like, play with we those. Well, we used to play with those because they were always available. Do you remember you could get them from any kiosk, like those like fake little guns, you know, and yeah. play with them because that was part of our childhood. You know what I mean? Oh, no. So I was going to say really quickly with what you just said. Mm-hmm. It's like, again, necessary trigger warning before the episode starts active shootings, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Predominantly white kids. Yeah. White yeah. boys. Yep. And yet I am seeing Trayvon Martin getting shot for having Skittles in his bag. Whether yeah. or not he was rude or not, nobody's fucking business. He's a fucking 17 year old kid. Exactly. Kid. kid. Um, Tamir Rice, who thought they thought was a 20 year old, but in reality, he was a 12 year old, not a 20 year old. How the fuck do you again, the adult, uh, the adultification, right? Yes. And then you have Ayana Stanley Jones, seven years old. It's disgusting. It's It's just seven years old. Like, are you serious? Like, you can't even have a childhood. Parents have to have this fear in them. And, and teaching their kids, instead of like being comfortable and playing outside, if the police come around, be compliant. Why? Like, do you know, like that, that fear that they have that their child is going out the door and probably not returning. And again, and you see, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not shitting on white counterparts, but I just want them to be aware of what we see. It's like, yeah. if a white kid gets mouthy, right? Again, That's acceptable. In the, context, <laughs> in the context of where I am, a, a mouthy white kid expected be patient, right? Yeah. yeah. The second a BIPOC student or a BIPOC person shows an ounce of humanity and 
taps into anger, which yeah. is a normal fucking thing. Yeah. Police us called aggressive, yeah. Yeah. like all these adjectives get thrown out and attached maliciously that you're like, hold up a fucking minute. <laughs> That's not what happened at all. Yeah. It's already that there's the stereotypes yeah. that BIPOC yeah. are going to be aggressive as if it's like we're born, you know, completely different. Well, we are different, but in the sense of that, we're just aggressive yeah. because we are BIPOC. That's all we are. You didn't we're know Jezebels because we are BIPOC, you know, like because of all it's because we are this. And but if you see it in the white counterpart, it's like, well, I know they're just kids being kids. And it's like kids Even being with- kids. So female bodies, right? Mm-hmm. This is where I find this fascinating because the sexualization, the active sexualization of young girls and young women in their 20s, right? Oh, okay. Um, it is so gross. It's like, I, I remember having a brief conversation with someone um, where I was like, I don't sexualize my friends. I never sexualized my friends. Like mm-hmm. I never, it never registered in my head to look at, for example, Allison and be like, mm, yeah, it's, yeah, shit. that's true. Like I, I'm thinking, you know like, what I, mean? I've I, never... I could definitely say Carissa's fucking gorgeous. You know, Allison is fucking beautiful. My friend Eve is so handsome. But we're saying it like that. Yeah, but it's not in that kind of creepy, gross (laughs) kind of, we're making a state, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not creepy. No, but now you don't say those things. You now have social media, right? So one end you have, if a girl, if a BIPOC girl poses fully clothed, but she's got her curves. Mm-hmm, she's mm-hmm. so sexual. She's so crass. How dare she post pictures like that? That's disgusting, right? Or she's fetishized. Yeah. Fetishized. That's, yeah. If a white girl does it, it's like, man, it is the male gaze descends immediately and it's like 500 likes. We love these pictures. We, I'm assuming, right? Because I don't have anybody who's like, younger than 30 on my <laughs> my profiles but you do see that I you have yeah sorry yeah continue it's so no it's just so bizarre that if you're BIPOC you're hypersexual but if you are white you're owning your sexuality and I and I have to raise that ruffling question <laughs> how much do you own your sexuality at 21 that's what I want to know. Listen, at 21, we thought that we owned everything. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that is also very true. <laughs> that's, I mean, at 21, we thought we were like the masters of the universe. And we were the just shit that so we got away with. We did get, I mean, honestly, like no joke. I'm thinking at 21, you think you own everything. You think you own your sexuality. You think you own your, you think you own it all. Cringe. Looking back, so I'm cringe. like, what the- <laughs> I look back at who I was. But I'm looking back at 20 and I'm like, thank God there was no, I mean, there was, it was the beginnings of social media, but it wasn't to what it is today. Thank God there is no documentation of it. Yes. Like of that, because I can tell you, I cringe. Yeah. No, like, I'm like, that was not right. Like, that's inappropriate. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I look back and I'm like, what the 
fuck were you doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck were you doing? Because that would be me. That was. <laughs> That was uh, that was definitely a question to ask. <laughs> we were routing. No, we. I mean, we were. It was. It was a bit too much. But I wanted to to say, it's interesting how because I recently did another episode. I'm shamelessly like just promoting my episodes here. But like I, <laughs> like <laughs> did this episode. It's incredible how we are shamed. Okay, like I said before, like I started developing yeah. at a young age. We start developing. Yeah at a certain age, a little bit faster than our white counterparts. It's the truth. Um, yeah. We had curves, you know, we were curvy. Much whatever. Earlier. It's much earlier. It's fast. And we were talking about the whole hair situation and stuff like that. Yeah. It's funny how we are shamed for having these things, for having the curly hair, for having certain eyes, for having the mouth, for having whatever. We're shamed the, for that. The ass. Yeah. Yeah. The and, but yeah. As soon as a white person adopts it, it's, cool. it's okay. It's cool. Oh, you want lip fillers to make your lips like bigger? While for centuries you were shaming people for having those features. You know, the whole thing was to be, you know, tall, thin, straight hair, blue eyes, whatever it was, blonde hair, whatever it was. But as soon as you adopt our features, you start lip fillers you start whatever the hell you're doing with your eyes whatever the hell you're doing with your eyebrows bushy eyebrows or arched eyebrows or you have the curly hair or the frizzy hair or whatever and you have like an ass it's like everybody's bowing down to you but and you, you shamed what? us for centuries for that and interesting that you bring that up because with what we're witnessing going on in the world right now I'm not going to name it specifically I've said my piece and I'm not going to say anything else it's interesting that I forgot one really big episode in our lives that happened in 1994. Two massive wars. Rubina? Yes. And yeah. Rwanda. Yes, yes. My friends in the US had no idea that like, the thing in Rwanda was happening. But they knew about Bosnia Herzegovina because you had Slata's diary. You had like, it, she's very much like Anne Frank and whatever, mm -hmm. which is valid. I'm not trying to say that the horrific history that has happened. Is We're not, not trying to downplay the trauma that is war, but the thing no. is, it's the, it's the gaze of the world, how it's different. Yes. It's yes. how the world views these situations. If it happens in Europe, how can this be yes. happening in Europe? Oh my goodness. Like what? But if it happens in the middle East or in Africa or in Asia, well, what do you expect? You know, that's, that's, that's yeah. savages. And like, well, Latin America, right? They or call Latin it America Republic. as well, yes. Like, yeah. you're the banana republic. It's expected. And it's like, yeah. fuck off of that term, number one. And number two, I'm about to fucking give you some history lessons. But <laughs> people tend to forget that Rwanda, the Hutus and the Tutsis really were not that different from each other. Mm -hmm. But the Belgians came in and said, you know what? If you look a little bit more white, you're better. If you have a thinner nose, if you have thinner lips, if you have thinner features, I mean, you guys can Wikipedia this. It's it's there. Like, what kills me is that these European fucking powers sit on their high horses and they created borders by yes. destroying lands that have been, you know, together for thousands of years. And here you are, you're putting like an imaginary border and you're saying, well, this is this country. 
And this is this country and that's how yep. it's going to be. And so you're part of this clan now. And it's like, whoa, 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 no, I'm part of this clan over here on this. What do you, what, what happened? And that, and this is, this is where I'm, I get really riled up with that shit. It's like, again, it filters into younger bodies. It yep. filters into the fact that I still at 38 do not feel like I own my body because the medical community also conspires against you. <laughs> the medical uh, community, if my name was Kimberly Clark, they would treat me very differently than by them knowing my name. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I have to be my own advocate every fucking time that I go to the doctor in the United States, not in Mexico. For some reason, I get incredible treatment in Mexico. Uh, the treatment I get here it is just, I know there's a specific way that people speak here, right? They call you darling yeah. without even knowing. I mean, it's just part of the culture, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Sweetie, the darling, it doesn't matter if it's a man, it's a woman or whatever it is. Everybody's yeah, just sweetie, yeah. darling, this and this. But doctors have a certain way of talking here where if it happened in the States, it would be a lawsuit. Yeah. And I know that in the, in the medical community, there's a lot that's happening, obviously, in the States where it's just like unacceptable you know, um, mm -hmm. but there is some shit happening here where I'm like, if you were anywhere else in the world, that shit wouldn't fly. But it's the, and again, I, the reason why I mentioned this is to bring it to female bodies mm -hmm. in the sense that, okay, so we have the glorification of the black male body in sports, right? Yeah. yeah. It is, it makes me uncomfortable how people talk about black athletes sometimes. I'm like, you know you what? There was a recent uh, video that came up from a, a fitness expert and he, the stereotype, black yeah. bodies, black male body. Well, actually, yeah. I, I don't know if it was talking about male bodies or anyway, it was black bodies. I'm just going to general black bodies. He said, they're made to run fast. They're made to, and you're just like, Excuse well, me? that's, what, that's a stereotype that's very outdated, but you can see the remnants of colonization. That's fucking that eugenics. It is eugenics. <laughs> like this is. 19th century shit that oh, that's, are still okay. like and I'm just like black bodies are made to run fast and black bodies are muscular and black and you're just like whoa 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 what it's, is happening it, it makes By the way, me this so this this fitness instructor or fitness expert in in uh, quotes air quotes uh, was a white male <sighs> oh well there you go you know look, it makes I all a difference it makes all a difference I, I just I have so much to say, but it makes me uncomfortable when I hear people talk about the black male body. And it also reminds me of the black female bodies that were used as experiments, science experiments, horrific torture and, and torture and yeah. almost like a circus to, to see their bodies. And well, it wasn't, it's, it was until recent recently, like they said, they fully now understand within the medical community that BIPOC specifically black bodies feel the same pain as their white counterparts because before they thought that black bodies or black people did not have the same pain like they could withstand more pain than the white counterparts and that's and that's been and I'm just like in disbelief I'm like we are in 2022 and it's only recently that this has been I can't I can't you know, like I'm just like thinking what the hell is happening how that, is it possible you know, and again, you don't even have to go that back far. You know, yeah, it's it's shocking where we are in 2022. Yeah. But 
And people, predominantly white people, get really uncomfortable and they're like, oh, here we go again, making me feel guilty for being white. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. And I'm going to be should be. Okay, I'm sorry to say you should yeah, be. Listen, yeah, you should. You should be. I'm sorry. Like, like, you should be. They'll be like, but that was like whatever, 500 no, Those no, were your ancestors. I don't care. That was your ancestors. To cater to you. Yeah. So the least thing that you can do is fucking learn where we're coming from. Yeah. You if it makes you uncomfortable, them. guess what? You need to learn why you need to dig deep and you need to freaking really learn your history yeah. of how you were, you were hell bent and still are to this day to eradicate us. And this is, and this, I see this even in the most progressive and I'm putting air quotes, progressive pockets in, cause I'm in Massachusetts. Right. And Boston takes great pride in being progressive. And I'm like, you think you're progressive. You're really not. And the fact that white men feel comfortable dating me is because they know that they can bring me home and I am exotic enough that it's like acceptable, mm-hmm. but I'm not mixed enough that their parents would raise eyebrows. Do you know what I mean? Like so-and-so brought a girl from the hood. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I know what you mean. I get it. Do yeah. you know I get you it. know the vibe, right? Like I you know the, the 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 fucking rural area vibe that you're like, yeah. You know, there's there's something there that I'm not. And then they'll say stupid shit that you're like, it's an epidemic. It's it's an epidemic. Like you don't understand what progressive means. You don't understand what liberalism means. You don't understand what it's like to date a BIPOC woman. You nope. don't fucking get it. Nope. You don't get it. So do not date me. <laughs> They'll immediately say, well, you're angry, aren't you, all the time? And it's like. (laughs) And it's very different with white women because white women will take your trauma and use it as a banner. So it's it's two different fucking things under the white umbrella. Like my experience as a, you know, obviously as a as a bisexual BIPOC female is like men don't get what it's like to be a BIPOC female and they don't try to understand it. Mm -hmm, mm in my experience, right? Except for my ex-husband who really fucking did try and he did understand to the best of his abilities, right? And then you have the white women who are like, but your trauma is my trauma. We are women. I'm like, your experience as a white woman is not my experience. It's exactly. Not, it's it's not. not the same as a BIPOC woman. No. Like you need to understand that as well. Yeah. So there's a lot of learning there to do and you see it in the educational field with how they treat students as well. Exactly. Where, and we're also not your fucking underdogs. We're not victims that you need to be protecting and taking care of. You need to stand next to us when you support us. I feel like they also- have like a lot of the white savior. Oh my you God. Know what I mean, it's like, I feel like they're just like, we're here for, you know, and they just, and you're just like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like- and you also need to know when to sit the fuck down, shut up and listen. All right, we have come to the end of part one. Don't forget to give the divine daughter of Lilith a follow on social media. You'll find her Twitter and Insta handles in the show notes. And while you're at it, don't forget to give Beauty Unlocked a follow. You'll find us at Beauty Unlocked Podcast throughout social media. With all that being said, tune in next Friday for part two. I hope you all have a safe and blessed weekend. And remember... To love each other, love yourselves, spread some of that sweet, sweet love. Bye. You know, know that my vagina is not gonna catch anything because I like her and I and I and I love her. That's 
where I went wrong with my ex-husband. I also said the same thing. That's a good-looking penis. Done. Also, do I qualify as a sugar baby if I'm 37 years old, independent, and getting my graduate degree? Oh, yeah. I, I get off on statistics. When I want to turn on Carissa, I just whisper with sweet nothings into her ear with numbers and it doesn't work. <laughs>